This episode of Brown Girl White Coat Pod is sponsored by Pixarize. Pixarize is an incredible video service that provides visual memory hooks for all things related to step one. From biochemistry to immunology to pharmacology, we love Pixarize because these videos make it easy to learn difficult and often dry medical topics. So if you're interested in a smarter way to learn boring things, <laughs> check out Pixarize.com and use the code BGWC15 for 15% off any of their packages. Now, let's get into this week's episode. Hi everyone, it's Avi here. I hope that you're doing well and staying safe. This episode is being released right after Christmas, so I hope you all had a very Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays to you and your loved ones. On today's episode, I get to introduce you all to my husband, Dr. Abhishek Singh. He is a family medicine physician who is working in academic medicine. So on today's episode, we talk about our relationship, our struggles and successes, how we navigate the field of medicine as full-time physicians and balance that with our personal lives, being married, and raising a family. We also talk a little bit about his career in academics, why he chose the field, what he hopes to accomplish, training future physicians. In light of the healthcare disparities that have been raised during the COVID-19 pandemic, as well as an increased awareness to systemic racism, especially in the healthcare system. We talk about his hopes of educating the next generation of physicians in order to reduce and to subsequently prevent racial discrimination in the healthcare system. So I had a blast recording this episode, and I really hope you guys enjoy listening to it. Hey everyone, it's Avi. Today I am super excited to be chatting with Dr. Abhishek Singh, who also happens to be my husband, or hubby, aka my partner in crime, aka the Lucius Malfoy to my Narcissa. Welcome to the show. <laughs> <laughs> the the best example you could come up with, though I Pretty am much. envious of his hair. So. <laughs> So why don't we start with introductions? Tell us a little bit about you, um, what you do, and maybe share some fun facts about you or some things that you like to do for fun. You could even share an embarrassing story if you'd like. Embarrassing stories. I'll, I'll pass that for next time. So I'm, I'm Abhishek Singh. I am a family medicine doctor. I work in Atlanta, just like my wife does. And fun things about me. I'm a huge football fan. So I'm a New York Giants fan. Go Blue. Hopefully we'll make the playoffs this year. Uh, other than that, you know, I like spending time with our daughter, our dog, and the rest of our family. And yeah, that's that's a little bit about me. So no embarrassing stories. Okay. Yeah, not today. <laughs> so next I want to jump into a fun segment that we call highs and lows. So I'll ask you to share your high and your low for the week, and then I'll share mine. Okay. All right. Sounds good. I think my high for the week would obviously be that I received the COVID vaccine. Yay. This, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we've been um, waiting for this for months on end, just, you know, hearing about it listening about it. So it was, you know, very exciting to be the first group to get it from our hospital system. So that was um, really great. So that's probably one of my highs. And then I think low for the week has been that, you know, this week has been very hard. We have had a lot of patients, it's been very busy. And, you know, a lot of people who have been sick, who are probably going to miss out seeing their families during the holidays too. So it's that I would say that has been my low for the week. Yeah. yeah I mean, I think my highs and lows are pretty similar to yours. Um, So I also received the COVID-19 vaccine a couple days after.
after Abhishek. And uh, so I was really excited about that. He got the Pfizer vaccine and I got the Moderna vaccine. So it will be interesting to see if there's any differences we on a scientific be, level. We could start our own research and see how far <laughs> yeah. we mutate to. Yeah, I haven't mutated yet, but you never know. My low would probably be similar. You know, we've had a lot of patients that have been sick, a lot of new cases of COVID coming up. And, you know, a lot of it, I think, also has to do with Thanksgiving. We're calling it the post-Thanksgiving effect. So unfortunately, seeing a lot more rise in cases um, nationwide, which has been truly unfortunate. One of my friends, she works in LA. Obviously, we know that's one of the new epicenters. And, you know, she had to cancel trips with her family, obviously, for safety purposes, which is what should be happening happening over Christmas and the holidays as is. But yeah, she's picking up extra shifts to help out at the hospital because they're just so overwhelmed. So yeah, I mean, it's been a tough time overall. Let's move on to the next segment at this point, basically asking for you to recommend maybe a favorite product to our listeners, or it could even be a book that you're currently reading or have recently finished. Favorite product. I really like the Peloton. You know this very well. Of I think you, you bought the Peloton for me last year. So, you know, hopefully Peloton will sponsor this. <laughs> uh, but, you know... As, as far as our lifestyle goes of being busy and being on the go all the time, I think it has been a blessing over the past year that I've been able to sort of work out and stay in shape and, you know, really sort of get into a routine with something. And that has really helped. So, you know, not being able to go to the gym or do anything else, you know, having a bike at home um, has been great. So I think that's probably my favorite product right now that I'm using. That's a great product. I'm glad you recommended that. So the goal of today's podcast is to really share with the listeners a bit about our lives. We're both in medicine, and as we know, that can be really hard to navigate. So I wanted to share our struggles, our successes, how we manage life outside of medicine, you know, making time for ourselves and for our family. So I thought, you know, we could start at the beginning. Do you want to share how we met? Should should we tell my version of the story or your version of the story? Because I think why they're both different. Why don't bit. you share your version and then I'll share the real version? How about that? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I want the guy I met, I think, you know, third year of medical school, right? I think you were just starting your rotations for third year. Mm. Um and I was, or, or somewhat, yeah. And, <laughs> Close enough, yeah. yeah. And then I was, I think, you know, maybe six months into my third year mm-hmm. rotation. So we met in Chicago, uh, south side of Chicago, at a hospital that we were rotating at. And, you know, I was passing by, and I had known about you that you were coming to the hospital through mutual friends. Yeah. So... You know, I was aware of that, but I I didn't really know what you looked like. So when I was walking by that you were sitting there in the lab to have testing done and, you know, I just stopped by and said hello and said, hey, welcome to the city because you're new to the city because I'm a nice guy Mm -hmm. and, you know, (laughs) offered you my number, which Mm, I don't think you saved. So, you know. So yeah, that's how I remember it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. and I, that is a real version of it. So. Oh, okay. So let's just correct the story because first of all, he said oh. that he did not know what I looked like. So how could he have stopped in the middle of the hallway and noticed me and said, "Oh, hey, are you so and so?" Well, I mean, I was 
inquiring. That's the, mm-hmm. that's the art of inquiring so, and history taking. So let's now. let's just get this clear. So my full first name is Avantika, and he stopped in the hallway and called me by my nickname, which is Avi, which is what I go by. And I was like, who is this creeper who knows me by my nickname? I mean, come on, guys. That's got to be a little bit weird, right? So obviously, I'm not going to save the number of this random person who <laughs> just happens to stop in the hallway when I'm about to go in for my orientation urine drug screen. Like, that was just super awkward, to say the least. <laughs> Anyways, so that's really how the first introduction went. So what did you think of me when we first met or in those first few weeks? Or who did you think I was? First few weeks. Man, we're getting really deep here, huh? <laughs> okay. <laughs> So first few weeks, I would say, um, well, I mean, I I still think this is you in general. You're a different person at workplace and a different person at home. And not not in a negative way. You're just, you know, more sort of, I don't know if uptight (laughs) is the real word. I I don't want to use the word uptight Uh, per se. Okay. But... But you're more focused, you know, you're more focused on getting the task at hand, that's you know, a better done. Word. That's a better yeah, word. That's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, more focused and, and I'm more of a sort of a easygoing person, you know, I'm, you know, more friendly, more chatty. So Very think, loud. <laughs> partly, yes. Um, so I think, you know, I just figured that, you know, we're just two different people. And I think mm-hmm. that's that's you know you're a very focused person and mm-hmm. i'm not a not as focused as or, <laughs> not as focused <laughs> well focused but you know I, I also take account into whatever else is going on in the mm. environment so yeah i mean i guess to a certain extent you're right i definitely when i'm at work i have my game face on some people call it my rbf but whatever <laughs> <laughs> I think when we first met, obviously I said I thought you were pretty creepy. And then as I saw you around the hospital, I really just thought you were super loud. And I honestly felt like you were arrogant. Like, you just came off that way. <laughs> I, I, th- I think we got to, like, lose the creepy and arrogant tone a little bit. Because, like, <laughs> we started with Lucius Malfoy. And this is not really going well for me <laughs> the way we started. Oh. So I just want to be, like, you know. I'm a pretty chill guy. I'm not like Lucius Malfoy at all, actually. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think over time we got to know each other and figured out who we truly were. So, yeah. Anyways, but that was probably our <laughs> first impression um, <laughs> of each other. I always find that to be interesting to think back and reminisce a little bit about that. But really, I mean, we met in Chicago, but we didn't really start dating until right before I left Chicago because, you know, I obviously took third year and fourth year as an opportunity to travel for my clinical rotations. Just a little background, you guys, we both went to the American University of Antigua, which is a Caribbean medical school, but Abhishek was on the island. He actually went to Antigua and I went to the twinning program, which is based in India. So we didn't actually meet until we got back to the U.S. in third year during our rotations. So I actually used it as an opportunity to travel and I rotated in a lot of different states. You spent most of your time, I would say, Chicago, yeah. Chicago, and uh, New York. I think those yeah. were the two places where I was the most. Yeah. Um, I didn't travel as much. I, I did do a rotation in Baltimore, mm-hmm. and you know, I did. If I think that's it, I was in Chicago, New York, and Baltimore. I, I don't think I did yeah. any other rotations. Anywhere we stuck else. to those three mainly. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, like we started dating literally right before I left for um, for Baltimore. I want to say right. Correct. Yep. And you decided at that point to move to New York. So I mean, even though we were both going to be on 
the East Coast and the same time zone, we were still long distance during medical school for several months. So, I mean, how do you think we manage that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the decision is is not really our decision. It's like where we were placed for rotations, right. which is, you know, reality for almost everyone who goes to Caribbean medical school and even, even U.S. medical schools. Like, you know, you're sort of placed in specific rotations based on what is available and especially with the pandemic that it's been worse. So, right. Um, but, you know, the, 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 the long distance thing was, you know, it was challenging at first for sure. And our first part of our relationship, because I think, you know, when you're getting to know each other, being far away with the, the responsibilities of, you know, being a medical student. And we were in pretty like tough rotations too, I believe. I think I was in surgery at that point and then you were in internal medicine. So, you know, they were really long hours and a lot of work. So, you know, it was, it was a challenging time, but I think, you know, we traveled and saw each other almost every time we could. Every few weekends, we definitely, one of us was traveling. I think mostly it was you in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think it's just the way the calls, I think, felt. It was like the first few weeks, I was not on call, and then you were on call, So then, and then it kind of flip-flopped. So I think it just depended on how things were. So And for those that don't know what call is, it's basically like we would have to work at the hospital like on the weekend or something, so we call it call. So if that were happening, obviously we couldn't be traveling or seeing one another because we'd be stuck in the hospitals. So yeah, I mean, it was definitely tough. But, you know, I think we tried our best to make it work. I feel like we ended up Skyping. I think we were using Skype back then but we used to skype like every like every day after work if it was like reasonable time or something so i think we we definitely tried our best and i think that was really important but yeah like fast forwarding you know we in fourth year we were talking about applying for residency and coming from a caribbean medical school it can be a little bit more competitive so we were definitely worried about that we both had decided at that point to apply to family medicine residency programs for the residency match. And so, you know, we were kind of struggling and going back and forth with our decision, but we did decide to apply for couples match. So I wanted to see if you wanted to share a bit more about what does that mean? What does couples match look like? And looking back, do you think that do you think that we made the right decision to couples match? If you had to do it all over, what would you do? Any regrets or anything like that? Definitely no regrets. So I think, you know, the the fact that we started doing long distance for a good beginning of our relationship, it was clear that like, hey, if we're going to match, we should try to be as close as possible because if this has to continue to move forward, you know, residency is even a laborious process and um it's even three, tougher, I would say, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. and and three years of it. So, you know, knowing that, you know, I think that made the decision part a little bit easier saying like, hey, and I think the other thing was the specialty. So family medicine, we chose family medicine, but the challenging part was that I think that it's easier to match into two different specialties if um, people are applying. So suppose like if, you know, one person is doing ortho and the other person is doing internal medicine or ER or emergency medicine where you're matching into two different specialties, it's very likely that you can match into the same hospital system and go from there. But, you know, it, it's definitely harder because when programs are interviewing or looking at candidates and they see that, you know, they're interviewing both couples, it definitely makes it for, for an interesting dynamic. And then I can speak on both sides, you know, because you're constantly sort of being judged not just as an individual, but as a couple. So I think, you know, that that's the, the challenging aspect of it, I would say. The, the other thing is obviously the fact that, you know, cup, how sort of couples match work. So, you know, you 
basically have, so let's say both Avi and I had 11 interviews each, for example. I think you had way more than that, though. And then, you know, we sort of create a list where we say, so like, let's say Avi puts rank one as XYZ hospital and it's in the same city. And then I rank ABC hospital as rank one on my list. So if both the hospitals rank us and we fall into their match lists, then we both end up at that residency. So it kind of goes that way. So if one person doesn't match to their first, the, the top, the program, then you just basically jump down to the second number and then go from there. So we were very fortunate that we ended up in the same city and ended up in different programs, which was, I think it was a blessing in disguise because it was very nice to be able to sort of, you know, have a break from our work life and personal life and not be constantly living our lives in, in the same hospital system. So I think that was very rewarding. I, I, at least that's how, how I felt. What did you think about it? Yeah, I actually agree with that. I mean, I really felt like I liked having, you know, a separate residency program than you because I got to, you know, experience it outside of the definition of being in a, you know, in a relationship with another resident who's in the same exact program, you know, both being family medicine. So I think it's kind of like you said, it was nice to be able to differentiate like work life and then home life. So, you know, you come back home and you, yeah, you share your day, obviously, but it's not like you're hearing what you did at work home and you're discussing, you know, what do we do for this case or whatever, you know, like it's, it's a little different. Yeah. Or, or the challenges of being in residency, you know, like call or, you know, 24s and this and that and vacations. I think it could be really tough to be a couple and be um, in the same residency together because, you know, you're always sort of juggling two lives, both home life and work life. So I think that can be challenging. So I personally think that was the best choice for us. And I know people, I know plenty of people who went and met the same program and did just fine so you know again it really depends on the specialty and you know what your requirements are and what you do so I think it really depends on the way you go yeah, I think it was nice when like we both happened to be on call the same weekend, which meant that we would have the same weekend off <laughs> later. Yeah. But you know, because it was two separate programs, we couldn't necessarily coordinate that. But you know, I think it, it worked out pretty well for us overall. I mean, looking back, yeah, it was difficult. Residency is it's a tough time. But you know, we made it work. And it's kind of like you said, like for us, I think this was the best decision. But there are other couples out there. I also know other couples that matched into the same exact residency program. And it worked for them too. I mean, it's also a matter of the program itself and like acknowledging the fact that, okay, this is someone, these two people are a couple. Let's try at least to make sure that they're both, you know, not working an alternating schedule where they don't get to have time outside of work together. And so I know our program did a really good job of trying to make that happen. And that comes to, you know, talking about wellness in residency and all that. And that's something I talked about in my last podcast episode. So I won't get too much into that here. But yeah, I think that for us, this was the best decision. So moving forward in time, you know, we couples matched and then you proposed to me a couple months into our first year or our intern year, which meant that we had to plan a wedding that year. Yeah. <laughs> and then we ended up getting married in the beginning of second year. So do you want to share a little bit about that? And well, how do you think we did? <laughs> I think we did just fine. I mean, I, I, I want to know your perspective too, but you know, I, I, I think we did just fine. The first 
first year was definitely challenging because, you know, you're learning a lot and you can ask any resident or doctor this, you know, they will always say that the first year is probably the hardest year. So, you know, I think we were able to balance it mostly, I think, because of the fact that we were in separate programs. So I think when you're off, you're kind of able to just sort of turn that off button and then go from there and just say like, okay, I'm at home now. Just let's just focus on what's happening at home and deal with that. So I think that made it easier. The other thing was that we got married in Michigan, which was about four hours from Ohio where we trained. And so that was the easy part. So we had to pretty much drive every weekend that we had off to go and plan for things. And if you know Indian weddings, they require a lot of planning and <laughs> And somehow, you know, your mom and your sister helped us a lot. So I think that was one of the other big reasons of why it worked so well, because we had people who are really good at planning things. So that helped us a lot. And I think, I mean, I personally just said yes a lot because I think that's... <laughs> I was taught that, you know, that's the easiest way to go about things. So, but yeah, that's sort of my version of it. Yeah. I think you did a better job of turning off your mind from work when you got home than I did. (laughs) I feel like I really struggled with it in residency. I think I'm better about it now, but initially when we started our first jobs, like oftentimes I felt like I was carrying work home with me. It was on my mind so much and like, you know, that's going to happen, but I know I struggled a lot more with it than you did in terms of like turning our minds off and focus on being at home. So Mm -hmm. I know I struggled with that quite a bit. And yeah, intern year is, it's so hard. You're, you know, going from being a medical student to suddenly you're, you know, to a certain extent responsible for your patient's lives, right? I mean, you're obviously supervised, but still it's a whole new ball game. So it's a huge transition point. We were moving to a brand new city, although we've been doing that (laughs) so much anyways. Yeah. yeah, During clinical rotations. So it was kind of nice to be in one city finally for three years, but I mean, it was still difficult. But yeah, I mean, I think we did pretty good. I don't think we could have, you know, had our wedding or planned our wedding without, like you said, uh, without my mom or my sister, because they did most of the work, you know, like we would be there when we needed to be there to do stuff. I don't enjoy planning. That's not something I enjoy doing. But yeah, I mean, it was all thanks to them. Otherwise, I really don't think that we could have pulled it off. (laughs) So anyways, we got married, like I said, in our second year, beginning of second year. And I think it was tough. Obviously, we were living off of, you know, pretty low salaries for the amount that we were working. I mean, thinking about the number of hours, what is it like 80 hour weeks and things yeah, like average, that? Yeah, on average, yep. Yeah, on average during residency. I mean, it's a tough time. So, one of the big questions that I was told to ask during the podcast from some of our listeners was, how do you think we did in terms of managing our finances as a newly married couple? What tips would you provide to our listeners on handling finances in medicine? Any kind of thoughts or suggestions <laughs> oh boy um handling finances yeah i mean it's a it's a i, th- I think you can do a whole separate podcast on this you know, of, know. Of just doing finances but from a couple's perspective i think one of the things was we got a bigger tax break because we were married now and filing as you know married you know i think looking back at it one of the things that i would say is you know don't make extravagant purchases during your time in residency i think balance with the things that you have and if you're going to purchase a home if you plan to live in that city start small and then go from there i think that will be the 
second. We didn't purchase a home. We were renting an apartment because neither of us were sure that if we were going to stay in Columbus, Ohio when we were there. So, you know, I think that was one of the things. And yeah, I think the the other thing that, you know, was helpful for me as far as the, the financial side went was I think we got back from work and then there's not much time to do anything else. You know, you're right. once you get home, you're you're not making or you're not, you know, going out or partying or, you know, you do some of that, but, you know, most of the time you're just home and you're tired. So that was, you know, that saved some money, I think. Yeah, it's tough when you both go through med school because oftentimes, you know, students are pulling out loans and stuff. So that's something that we're still facing, unfortunately, that we both have student loans, obviously. And I think it's just something, like you said, don't make extravagant purchases. It's very tempting to do that when you go from a resident salary to a fresh attending salary because it's such a big hike oftentimes that suddenly you feel like, okay, I have all this money, let me spend it. But I think that would be my biggest piece of advice is if you are planning on buying a home, start small. Live as if you're still on your residency salary because that way you save more money, you pay off your loans faster, and then you don't have to worry as much about that. So that's definitely something I would suggest. And then the other thing I would suggest is if you're getting married in residency and, you know, like us, you know, with South Asian weddings, they're usually really big. I would advise no box gifts and oftentimes you get more money and that money can also go towards your loans or, you know, saving for future purchases I mean we got a lot of money actually yeah. to our wedding so yeah, definitely that you know I think that really really helped us as well so I was very grateful for that so what do you think about marriage I mean do you think marriage is easy <laughs> <laughs> so we're going from money to what I think about marriage okay challenging question the short answer is no I mean I wish I could say that marriage is easy per se it's not it's like any other relationship you know you really have to put work in it I think movies and and books kind of don't do it justice because you know they they show up to the wedding and then after that they're just like okay yeah they're married you know it's totally fine and so. they lived happily ever after yeah and <laughs> you know and and you do live happily ever after but like you know you have to work for that happily ever after i think that's what i have to say so i, I don't think it's easy by any means it's just like any other relationship you have to put a lot into it yeah i mean i feel like you know marriage is constant work i think that's just the nature of being in a relationship whether it's dating or you know being engaged or getting married I feel like it is what it is right mm -hmm. so what do you think about being in the field of medicine does it make marriage more difficult do you think marriage is a bit easier even since we're both in the same field of medicine I would say it's a little bit of both right I think certain things are easier but then there are certain things that are harder so I think like the other person understands the the need for you know schedule and the the demand and you know the need to work weekends and holidays and if you have no one in medicine, if, if you have no contact in medicine, you know, if you work a different job altogether, your parents have worked a different job and you're going into medicine for the first time, people don't really know the concept of, okay, it's not a nine to five gig, you know, it's not holidays off, weekends off gig. Most of the times you were, you know, working holidays, working weekends. E even if you don't go into the hospital, you could be on call. So you have to answer a phone call or go into the hospital to take care of some issue that may come up or certain thing that is 
is needed. So you, you take house call on their thing. So you can't travel. So, you know, if your family is not in it, you know, that restriction will be there. So I think in that course, it makes it easier because if we're both in medicine, we kind of both understand what the requirement is of sharing that role and sharing that space. The difficult part is, I think this is one of my bigger challenges. Like when you're at work, and this is probably one of my biggest props to people who are in medicine in general, is that you get to meet, like, especially in primary care and an outpatient world, right? Like you see 17 to 20 people a day on average, and they come and tell you their deepest and darkest secrets. And then and you have to talk to them and engage with them and be very social. And that's just who you have to be when you're in primary care. And when you've done that for like eight, 10 hours, and then to come home, and then to really turn it on again, to be around family and do that, I, I think that's the difficult side of it. And I think I struggle with that too, where I would come home from like long days after work and spending time with our daughter and I'm just like kind of off. Like I'm not the same person as I am when I'm on the weekends or when I have a vacation, just because I have just more to give. And I think that's the, the challenging part because both of us can be that way at certain times. And, you know, that makes it really difficult. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think that's something that we're constantly working on is trying to find that balance of, like you said, being on for our patients and then being on for our family and then still having time for ourselves. I mean, yeah, it's a constant challenge. And there are days where, you know, I'll come home and maybe I'm just not feeling very social, not wanting to talk as much. And I think over time, you've now realized, okay, she needs her space or time to herself and yeah. vice versa. You know, like I think we might have struggled with it before and we still do to a certain extent. But sure, I think sure. I think we're getting a little bit better at reading each other. But I think that's a big thing about marriage is and relationships in general is, you know, you have to have open communication. I think one thing that we struggle with and I feel like a lot of people do is to a certain extent, we feel like we should be able to read each other's minds and we truly cannot do that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so we have to be able to vocalize what we're feeling. So yeah. I think that's important. You know, I think the biggest suggestion is that like, you know, you constantly just keep working at it. Like we'll have like a solid runoff, like a few good months. And then one day you'll just do something stupid and say something <laughs> stupid. And then <laughs> you just start working back at it again. So I think, you know, you have those ups and downs. You just have to constantly keep working at it and try to balance and anticipate um, as much as you can with open communication. So I think those are the big things. That kind of goes into the next question that I had for you is what advice would you give others? that are planning on getting married <laughs> don't get married <laughs> that was a good setup though I, I, I feel like... how did i know you we were gonna say that no i am totally joking look if you're planning on getting married and i'm, I'm gonna keep this just to the physician circle or, or the medical circle because like i'm definitely not an expert in this by any means like we have been married for six years it'll be seven next year so no, you remembered yeah i mean <laughs> i was confirming so yes um uh, you know and you guys we, can't see but he like turned to me like he was questioning is that accurate yeah <laughs> well you, you know i i yeah <laughs> i'm just gonna keep rolling here so you know and we've been together after dating for three years, almost 10 years now. So, but, but the thing is that, you know, if you're planning on getting married, I think one of the things that you have to realize is, I think this is often that what I hear from people who, who are struggling in their relationship is that they're not the same person they were when they met. I, I think that's a common thing that we hear in the movies or, you know, from friends or people who are having issues with their relationship. And, you know, for physicians, like I'll, I'll be honest with you, you are constantly evolving. Like the person that 
you are in medical school, part of you will change when you go into residency and then a part of you will change when you go and become an attending. Like you're constantly evolving. I think I'm a totally different person from when you met me like 10 years ago, you know. Yeah, I mean, um, I think Hopefully for change. all the good reasons, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I think part of the reason is just, you know, you're, you're constantly evolving and when you're invested in someone to the fact that, you know, you're getting ready to get married, I think my only suggestion would be that, you know, yes, you love this person now, but also be open to love them when they evolve and change because they will evolve and change. And I think that's a, that's, that's a huge aspect. If you can celebrate each other and push each other to be better, try to get used to the constant change, because if you can't do those two things, then, you know, you're, you're going to struggle. And I'll be honest, like, I, I know people want to say like, oh, I'm not going to change. I'm going to be the same person ever. I think I used to say that when I was young. I'm still pretty young. But, you know, <laughs> but, you know, um, you change, you, you just constantly evolve. Like I'm a totally different person. Like I went back and read some of my old emails from 10 years ago, just as, you know, why are you fun. reading emails from 10 years ago? I don't know. Why Some, do you still have them? I don't know. Sometimes, <laughs> you know, I get bored. So, <laughs> so I was, I was reading that. I was like, who is this person? Like, <laughs> like who writes like this? Like, and you know, like, so. Again, a lot of you changes over time and you you may not realize it, but you do change. That's the biggest challenge, I think. What do you think? What's your suggestion? Like, do you, <laughs> what do you tell people when they're getting married? I think my biggest thing is really marriage is about compromise. I mean, I think that goes hand in hand. I, you know, I don't think, you know, one person should be getting their entire way all the time. I think you both need to kind of be willing to compromise on certain things. And that goes both ways. I think that's the best way to make marriage work, to ensure both sides are happy, as opposed to being like a one-sided, like a give, give and take kind of relationship. Um, I think one thing that I learned after getting married was you know, when I was introduced to the book, what was it called? The Five Love Languages mm -hmm. by Dr. Gary Chapman. And I felt like that was pretty life changing for us because, you know, we would be expressing love to each other in whatever way, like we'd be telling each other we love each other. But, you know, everyone's love language might be a little different. I think mine is, you know, acts of service and yours is quality time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we didn't necessarily realize that. So maybe I was really, really busy and I wasn't able to make much time for you so you didn't feel as loved and you know I didn't feel as loved if you didn't do the dishes one day or something like that and it sounds silly everyone but it's actually quite true I feel like once we read that book we started to realize you know we'll celebrate our differences and figure out ways to make each other happy you know yeah I always do the dishes by the way so you never do the dishes I, I don't know what you're <laughs> once talking. in a while but then you forget to start the dishwasher yeah. you'll load it but you won't start it well because I do most <laughs> of the cooking so you know like that's you... our balance so he does the cooking and I do the cleaning and yeah. that's what our compromise is yeah. I, I think that's a or our a... sense of balance in our marriage yeah yeah I, I do prefer the cooking it's the easier part to be honest so he uh... prefers the cooking because he loves it but also because he just doesn't want me to cook because I'm terrible at it, right? You said it, not me. <laughs> so I think we'll move on from that one. <laughs>
interrupting this episode for another quick word from our sponsor for today. Pixarize, yes, I've used it for step one. I use it during clinics, but did you know that Pixarize also has an amazing MCAT platform? They have videos, everything from biology to um, psych and sociology topics. Those are, we all know, those are straight memorization. Things like personality disorders, Maslow's hierarchy, Maslow's pyramid, different social cognitive theories. Those are all straight memorization. And these cute little videos, similar to the same ones that I'm using for step one, are also available for MCAT. So give it a try if you have a hard time memorizing things. I think it's definitely worth it to try a different way to memorize. So again, if you're interested in trying out either the step one or MCAT platform, you guys can use our code bgwc15 bgwc for brown girl white coat 15 for 15 percent off any of the packages on their website i hope you guys ace your exams and let's get back to the episode so i wanted to change gears a little bit and talk a little bit about your career choice you know obviously we both chose family medicine we both enjoy primary care but you actually chose academic medicine which i always found really interesting and you made that decision pretty early on in residency i feel like so can you share with our listeners what academic medicine is and why you chose it? Yeah, so when I started, I wanted to be a hospitalist, right? Like I really enjoyed the hospital. I really enjoyed the inpatient side of things. And and I still do. I feel like, you know, being in the hospital, taking care of patients when they're there, it's something that really drives me. So I, I really still do very much enjoy that. So my intern year when I started, you know, I, I was really into it. And then it really hit me in second year of my residency when I when I started to say like, hey, I really like teaching. And I because I think that's what that was the first time I really sort of got a taste of it you know so you know right after we got married I went on to night flow for two weeks and and um, I was on days yeah yep. <laughs> yep. so we were just basically sort of flip-flopping after that I was working with a brand new intern and there was a lot of times when you were spending time in the middle of the night you know just teaching them how to admit someone and go through the process of understanding just basic admission things right like of how to admit a person with congestive heart failure or COPD exacerbation and one of the things that I think sometimes we do this in medicine I don't know why we do it but we kind of expect the other person to know the nuances of you know what the process should be and I think part of the problem is because once we have learned something we have kind of forgotten how we learned it in the first place yeah so it it kind of becomes like wait you don't know that you have to put them on steroids and then you know what dose you should start on like you don't know that but you tend to forget that you didn't know that when you were on those shoes when you started and I think I really focus on the things that I don't know and how I learned them. So for me, it became almost very intriguing when I taught the way I learned something to other people and realizing that they had a great aha moment at that point. So I think that was very rewarding. So I think that was part of the reason. The other part was what sort of legacy that, you know, I would leave behind once I'm done with this field. And I think, you know, I I tell you about this all the time is that like, you know, it's always good to sort of leave something behind from what you have gained. So I think that's a, that's a huge part of my life. So, you know, and this is, again, I think people who are out in general, primary care, family medicine, trail medicine, any kind of specialty, just practicing, not really training residents, they do a lot of great work. They're doing great work all the time. They're taking care of populations that need help and need to be seen. But, you know, you are limited. You will only take care of 2,000, 3,000 patients at a time. And my hope is that when I train residents 10, 20, 30 years from now, the docs that I have trained are now out and public and each one of them is taking care of 2,000, 3,000 people. So the message, you know, the way you carry yourself a physician, the the way you carry yourself in the field of medicine will be much
much wider, right? You have now affected a larger population, a larger group of physicians. And, and I think, you know, that's just a much more rewarding legacy, at least for me. So I think, you know, that was one of the reasons why I also chose academic medicine, because I think, you know, that really resonates with me really, really well. I think, like you said, you can do a lot of good when you're training future physicians, you know, and teaching them how to be a good physician. It's not just about the medicine. It's also about engaging with patients. And I think that's really important too. So this year, obviously, we know has been so difficult for all of us because of the pandemic. And it also has been truly eye-opening as we've seen how the pandemic has impacted different racial and ethnic minority groups. Additionally, we have become more aware of systemic racism and have heard of many instances of racial discrimination in the healthcare system. Recently, unfortunately, Dr. Susan Moore passed away from COVID-19 after being discriminated against and subsequently mistreated for her illness. So as an educator training future physicians, how would you change the way you educate your residents and medical students in order to address and to prevent racial discrimination in the healthcare system? Yeah, I mean, it has definitely been a topic that has flown under our radar, you know, all throughout this, you know, something that has existed for a long time. It's something that we have come to realization now in this year, but, you know, it's not something that started this year. It's just that something right. that we have become more aware There's of. There's more awareness now, absolutely. Of this year. And, and again, I think this is, in general, a very new topic, even though it's new that we knew the healthcare disparities existed. I think, you know, if you go and dive into the public health sector of things, and you would know this more than I do, but it's very openly discussed, you know, disparities that, you know, exist among racial groups and disparities that exist among different communities. But, you know, if you're going strictly based on, you know, how the medical world is, I don't think I was ever taught in medical school about addressing racial disparities or addressing systemic racism. Those were not the things that, you know, that I was taught when I was in residency. So I think it has to start from medical school where, you know, both students, residents, and and faculty, all of them are are taught at the same time about the challenges that certain communities face and, and learn about those challenges. Because I think until unless that is done, sure, we can say ACGME can put up a criteria for each residency program that you have to identify or create a path of addressing these issues in your society or into your healthcare system. And and what I see more of this happening is that, you know, because the level of education is not there, not just for students or residents, but for attendings and other groups, people will just create sessions or modules that you have to do to meet a checkbox. And then the bigger problem can go unrecognized and, and underchecked. So I think it has to sort of be adjusted from the very beginning where, you know, we're all taking an active role, educating ourselves, you know, how to empower patients so they can ask for the help that they need. And again, I think to this particular case, I think the biggest answer is you really have to listen to what your patient is saying and what they're expressing. And I think the challenge is that sometimes we get so busy, we get so preoccupied with our thought process that we tend to leave the person who's actually going through the illness out of the equation because, you know, the numbers or, you know, the imaging or the objective data that we have in front of us doesn't really meet the the subjective complaints that they may have. So that makes it challenging. So I think my advice is always, you know, if if you feel like the patient in front of you is not saying the things that the numbers are talking, you should pay attention to the patient first and, you know, address the concerns that they have. This, again, goes out to sort of a bigger problem where, yes, we have recognized the problem. How we deal with it cannot be doing modules, but more of a sort of an effective approach where, you know, people are active 
actively taking part in learning about the the disparities that exist and how we can solve them. Right. So you mentioned ACGME earlier. Can you just tell our listeners, for those that don't know what that stands for, who they are and what they do? Yeah, so the ACGME is the Accreditation Council for Graduate Medical Education, and they're sort of our monitoring body. So they are run by physicians who monitor how residencies are doing, and they set out certain guidelines for each residency of um, how they should be performing, what capacity should their trainers be trained at, you know, setting numbers and goals, saying, you know, you have to meet certain criteria. So they're, they're basic, they're our governing body that sort of sets requirements of promotion residencies and monitors those numbers and those goals. Okay, great. So I wanted to kind of, again, change gears now. And just curious, you know, if you didn't choose medicine as a career, what career would you have chosen for yourself? <laughs> oh, man, that's a tough one. I don't know. I, you know, I enjoy cooking. And I know you guys joke around about the idea of like <laughs> me going in the cooking industry, but I just can't imagine it's cooking industry is very rigorous, you know, and like people who are line chefs and, you know, who, who work in the cooking industry, it's like hours and hours and hours of work. Like, you know, it's actually more than what you put into medicine with very little reward. It's a whole different world. You're not treated the right way for the people you're working for. So, you know, and I'm not a rich person, so it's not like I can just, you know, start a restaurant on my, by myself. So, you know, I, I honestly, I'm not sure what I would have done if I didn't go into medicine. If, you know, I, it would have probably been something car salesman. I think that's probably, <laughs> that's probably a gig that I could land, you know, I'm good talking with people and then I can sell stuff. Like what you know. have you ever sold? <laughs> I don't, this uh, sounds random. I'm not laughing I mean, at the job itself. I'm laughing at his choice of the job because it just sounds so random for him. I don't. Well, I don't know how you'd be a well, car salesperson. Well, I, I, <laughs> I think. I think I would be a very good salesman. You're, you're good at connecting with people. I, yeah. I give you that. I give you that. Do you ever regret picking medicine? Um, No, I, I definitely don't regret picking medicine. One of the things that I have learned about like, you know, any job, you know, you you love the 80% part of it and then hate 20% part of it. It's just the way it is. You know, no matter which job you go to, there's just 20% of it if you're not going to like. So for me, I truly love the science of medicine. I think, you know, that's very cool when, you know, a new drug is invented and it comes into play and it takes care of a disease process and how it's sort of the process of it being created. So I think, you know, seeing it in, on the clinical setting, like it, it really drives how I see medicine in general. So I think because of that, I don't regret anything. There's not much that I regret about my choice in medicine. Yeah, I, I feel like I, I couldn't see you in anything but medicine, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's definitely the right choice for you. I'm going um. to start selling our stuff. <laughs> Oh, we'll keep you guys posted on that. So kind of going back to our timeline, you know, we finished our residency, which was three years. And then we ended up moving to Michigan, started working in our respective careers. And, you know, we're fresh out of residency, new attendings. So I wanted to ask you, do you have any tips that you'd like to share for new attending physicians? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So two things. Number one, you definitely want to make sure that, you know, you're not saying yes to a lot of things. 
things when you start first because you'll start your role whichever role you end up choosing you know inpatient outpatient whatever you're doing in, in your field and you'll feel like oh man I have all this free time because remember now you're working mostly 40 hour work weeks so now since you're working less hours you're more inclined to say yes to other things so very soon you you will have a laundry list of things or in committees and meetings that you have now said yes to that you have to go to and now your work week that was supposed to be shorter is is much longer so take a little bit of time you know I would say first six months just get to know the institutions get your feet wet get to know what you want to do as you're growing into your new role and then start identifying things that you like about the institution the things that you want to you know make better and and go from there and pick on things that that you want to do so I think that would be my first advice my second advice would be is that from from the moment we start in medicine and you know you guys talk about this a lot at your podcast about like you know things related to medicine so you know how to balance your schedule and you know the burnout in medicine so I think these things I think one of the reasons they exist is because the sort of the career path that we have chosen from day one when we start from undergrad we're told you have to maintain a certain level of GPA you have to do well in your board exams you have to do well in your MCATs and then you're in medical school and now you have to do well on your step one and then you have to do well on your step two and then you know you have to finish med school and then you have to match in residency and now in residency so it just it's like a never-ending process yeah it's like a chain a step after another step after another step after another step and then once you sort of are done with all this once you become attending the process sort of sort of comes to a halt and then you end up with all this free time so just remember that since you have put so much time you know jumping through all those steps i'm going to bring it back to how we we do it in peloton after they have made us climb a very long hill they kind of say hey let's you know take a step back you know let's try to go at a lower speed and take out all the lactic acid from your legs so that you can get ready for the next hill when that comes so start really start paying attention to that side of medicine where you're like okay I'm gonna go in I'm gonna do my job because medicine this field is my job it's also my passion but it is also my job and then I'm gonna come home and you know take a break from it and enjoy and cultivate other things other hobbies that will make me a whole person. I think those are sort of my two big tips that I would say for any new attendings who are going out there. I think those are great tips. So once we started our jobs, I think about six, seven months after we started working is when I got pregnant. And you know, we, you know, I didn't have an easy pregnancy. Mm -hmm. Um, You want to share a little bit about that journey? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it was definitely challenging those, you know, the first few months, you were very sick. And then I think think we had a blissful middle period where we were fine and then then the ending in the pregnancy became very challenging because you know Roshi wasn't growing the way she's supposed to so she was SGA or small for gestational age so you know we were just going through a lot of ultrasounds and you know again this is the first time and I don't think it gets easier people who have had children two or three times will say every time if there is a complication there there will be challenges so but being our first time I think I, I felt like that was even more challenging for us so that 
made it a little bit more difficult. And, and, and the fact is that, you know, when all this is happening, your work life still continues. Everything still continues. You still have patient schedules that are set for months on end that you have to go and take care of. And, you know, so there's no break. But yeah, it was it was definitely challenging for us during that time. Do you think that having gone through, you know, the field of medicine, especially with our training as family medicine physicians, you know, we have to do rotations in obstetrics and gynecology. Do you think that that prepared us by any means of, you know, what to expect during pregnancy? I mean, what do you think, if at all, did it do anything to help us? It definitely helped because like we could anticipate things, you know, a little bit better. We kind of knew what was going to come next. But when you know the bad side of healthcare, like things that don't turn out because of, not because of anyone's mistake, but just, you know, when things don't turn out right because of it, just knowing, you know, the diseases and the illnesses and everything that else that, that exists in the world, that always makes it very challenging to to take care of a person. That fear sort of sits in every time when you're going through this exercise. It's like, well, what if that doesn't go right? Or well, what if this doesn't go right? And I, I think if anything, that that made us, that at least made me more anxious than anything else. So yeah, I think being in medicine makes you more of a hypochondriac. <laughs> you know, you start to fear the worst in certain instances, for sure, because you know what the potential options or complications can be, I should yeah. say. But, you know, I think it's different being the physician compared to being the patient. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like you can't know what a person goes through unless you're in their shoes. So, I mean, being the patient, being the woman, you know, the pregnant woman looking at these ultrasounds and hoping for the best, you know, it was very, it was a very stressful time. And, you know, I think I was, I was going in for every week I had an ultrasound um, and an NST or non-stress test. So it, it became very challenging, especially near the end. So I was very thankful that, you know, my parents were there at that point to help us yeah. um you know their support meant a lot but anyways moving forward you know after Roshu was born I personally feel like the last few years have gone by really quickly yeah how do you think we've done I mean raising her and what do you think we've done well what do you think we could do better or could have done better and do you think that our training in medicine really helped us to prepare for what parenthood would be like I think we're gonna have to ask her <laughs> <laughs> Are we doing well? Yeah, like I think, are we you know, good parents? Yeah, you know, when when she's you know having a moment, we can ask them like, "What do you think?" Like, you know, I, think, <laughs> I think that perspective would be interesting. I don't really have a great answer for there. Like, I I, I wish I said I can say outright, yeah, yes, we are perfect, we are wonderful, <laughs> and we are great. Like, I I just think we're doing the best we can, and I think by that I mean like you know we try to balance it as much as we can. So one of the things that I would say is that having a child changes your perspective and this is what, what I have said is like you tend to sort of evolve every time you sort of hit a major life mile basically you, you you start to do things a little bit differently you start to anticipate things a bit differently your your needs and wants change so you evolve into a different person and my answer would be I think we're still in training yeah <laughs> yeah because you know we're there are certain things that we have gotten really really good at um, as far as like you know balancing things and going from there and, and, and making sure, you know, things are done in the house and just being more organized so we can, when things change, we can adapt quickly. So we have gotten better at anticipating those things. But, you know, I think we're still in, very much in training that we are, <laughs> we're still learning because, I mean, it's been what? It's been three years. So, you know, yeah. we, we've just finished our residency uh, of being a parent. So... <laughs> in medical terms so so you know i think we have just finished our training and then we'll we'll see how the attending hood goes so (laughs) 
<laughs> so I think that will be the, the next part. Did being in medicine really prepare me for parenthood? I mean, to some extent, I think, you know, I, I was able to sort of deal with like the, the colds and the fevers a little bit better and easier, you know, because I wasn't too worried. I knew what to expect, like when she got sick and then, you know, when she would be better and, you know, when I should worry and when I should not worry. And I think that made it a little bit easier. I was definitely the opposite of you in yeah. that regard. Because yeah. despite the medical training, I was very much in mom mode. Yeah. And I mean, anytime she's sick, like I'm just very nervous and yeah. anxious and you have to calm me down. Yeah, I, I struggle with it too. But, you know, I, I feel like I'm able to sort of... You do a better job. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just able to put more objective data behind it, I think, <laughs> in my mind at least. So, yeah, I think, you know, that's one of the big things. Like, what what do you think? How do you think we're doing, you know? I love so. how you worded that, that we're parents in training. Because we are. And the thing is that you're right. I think we've done a better job of adapting. But I feel like as we evolve, she also keeps evolving because yeah. she's growing, right? Yeah. So as soon as I feel like we actually master something, then she changes. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's almost like you start over again to a certain extent not completely but it's like okay there's a new phase that she's now going through so she you know recently left the no 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 phase and now she's in the why 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 phase and so we're kind of adapting to that and you know the questions kids ask are just it's just amazing because it's like I really don't know the answer to that why question yeah and so I'm sitting there trying to figure out a good enough answer so I mean you're constantly learning they're constantly learning so you really grow together so so, I mean, I think it's I, the whole medicine thing. I don't I don't know if medicine really helps me in regards. Like, yes, I understand the medical aspects, but I'm still a mom at the end of the day who yeah. worries about their child, you know? So, I mean, I think we do a good job of balancing each other in that regard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Which is good. Yeah. We need that. We don't need two super anxious parents. I do think with us being as busy as we are, you know, ha- having the help and childcare has been really great. And, mm-hmm. you know, we're fortunate in our jobs that we're able to to afford a nanny. Not everyone has that. And so what that helps with is, you know, she's not going to daycare. Now she's missing out on the socialization aspect from that. But, you know, we're seeing less of the coughs and colds. Correct, yeah. So, you know, we're definitely very thankful for that as well. So how do you think that our relationship has changed since we started working as full-fledged physicians and since we became parents? So I think, you know, one of the, the biggest things that I think in our relationship is that like, with you know, every sort of milestone we have sort of evolved and changed and we've just gotten better and tougher with like when situations come in front of us like I think we still like struggle with the change at first but we have gotten better at dealing with it together and I think that's the the good part I think we also know like what role the other person plays very well so I think we tend to sort of lean on the each other's strengths a little bit more to deal with whatever problem comes in front of us so I think that makes it a little bit easier and just knowing those two things I think the third thing is patience I think we have become more patient with each other which is very important too so you know those are the helpful things what do you think yeah I, I definitely agree with you I think that we're learning as we go and we're being patient with one another, which, you know, takes time. And yeah, so I did get a question that was asked by a lot of people actually about dating. Like, are like oh, are yeah. we able to still have like date nights and things like that as parents and, you know, physicians? And how do we make time for one another in that regard? You know, I think date nights are just different. I think like, I think movies have sort of glamorized it where you're like, <laughs> you're like, you know, you set a time and then like, you know, after the child has gone, 
to bed, like, you know, you sit down and like, you know. What know? movie have you been watching? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just, I'm picturing a movie. Like, it's not like that. Sometimes it's just, you know, sometimes date night is just like you on your own screen doing something and me watching football on my screen. <laughs> And just night? and just being next to each other, <laughs> I mean it is because like you know we're we're together, but you know we're doing the things that we like. And <laughs> this sounds so terrible, guys. I'm uh, sorry. That's that's one part of like you know I I think like one of the things that we talked about is that like since we're always on go go go, it's very important to give each other time to do the things that you know what the other person wants to do, and I think you know that's the that's a nice part of growing comfortable in a relationship where you don't have to be like okay I really don't care to watch you know football or I don't really care to watch this so you're kind of spending time separately but at the same time then you know also we we do things together so there are things that like shows and movies and you know we'll take out time to you know maybe go for a walk or you know I don't know what else do you do in a pandemic I know Uh, right like that's (laughs) the thing is and that kind of jumps into my next question really but yeah I think this year has really changed you know what what our definition of like time together has been like we've found new activities to do as a family even just because you know like in a pandemic you can't really go out and do the things that you're used to doing like we love to travel and obviously that's something that we're not able to do and and we love trying different restaurants and things like that so those are the kind of things that I feel like we used to do um like last year we went to France for our anniversary it was just us two which was nice it was terrifying to be away from our daughter but I mean I think it was a good break and you know she got to hang out with her grandparents which was awesome <laughs> yeah but yeah I mean this year I mean it's been hard for everyone right so I guess I mean how do you think that this year and COVID-19 you know the pandemic have affected us and I guess I'll start since we're talking about like a perspective from us as a couple and as a family how have things changed for us I think you know one of the bigger challenges has been that we are always we, we just spend a lot of time together which is great I think you know one of the things that we have been able to do and one of the other things that we like to do is like we do a lot of puzzles and Legos so we have built a lot of Legos together this year which was interesting because I think you know we didn't really do those activities even when we were dating like I don't think I ever sat down and made a puzzle with you when we were dating. I never did puzzles even as a kid or Legos like I was never really into that and then we found like the Harry Potter Hogwarts castle and King's Cross station and all and we sat down as a family you know with Roshu and we would be building those and it's actually it was actually a lot of fun yeah I think you know that has that has definitely been the the sort of you know um finding things to do together has been um very nice and and you know I think the other part has been that we have had the time to sort of slow down and really sort of cherish, you know, each other and the family. Because, like, I, I still remember, like, last year when we moved here, I feel like every weekend we were just doing, like, something. Like, going somewhere, yeah. traveling something we had. And, and I'm sure, like, you know, sooner or later, that's what we're going to revert to where we're going to be, again, like, hanging out with friends. And it's not that we don't like doing those things. We love doing those things. And that's why we, you know, we continue to do that. 
even after we'll go back to that we'll go even, back to yeah. that yeah even once all this is over but you know this time this moment that we have had where like we have a full weekend off where we have literally nothing to do but just to sort of hang out with each other and spend time together has been very rewarding so you know doing the small things like cleaning up the garage which has been my favorite <laughs> project um is has been you know amazing for me because like i feel like those small things yeah. like they just you know they they add on and you know the time that we spend together definitely helps us to grow and you know be more adaptable to the problems that come in the future so i think that's the that's a good part yeah i think we've been doing a lot with home projects and the decluttering has been great yes date night is not what you think of as date night of going to see a movie and all this stuff but we we make the time for each other yeah and hopefully you know in the coming months we'll be able to return to some of that we certainly did that a lot of it you know when the pandemic wasn't here we would go out and watch a movie or you know spend time with friends and other couples so you know hopefully we'll be able to do that more and more Mm -hmm. once this is over so yeah Yeah. how have things changed from a career perspective for the better and for the worse during this pandemic for me like not much has changed I've continued to do the same thing you know one of the things that I think has sort of jump-started this entire process is the idea of telehealth and I think that's going to be interesting of how two years ago telehealth was you know something that you know we were imagining of where we are and now a third of our visits are happening through telehealth so that's pretty unique and the the changes that will come from that will be intriguing for all settings both inpatient outpatient and how sort of people handle it so I think that's something that I'm looking forward to because I think that would help make that eight to five schedule uh, much more possible for physicians and other providers I think it'll be interesting to see how things change um, or don't I guess yeah <laughs> after the pandemic is over in terms of our careers and things like that I think mm-hmm. it's definitely been like on a personal level being physicians it's been challenging and scary during the pandemic because there's this constant fear are you going to be exposed to COVID you know knock on wood we've been okay so far and you know now we've gotten the first shot of the vaccine so it's a mix of of positives and negatives so yeah just one last question at this point any advice that you would give to people in healthcare in regards to managing relationships and parenting yeah I think you know a lot of things that we talked about during this entire thing but two things that I would say is just you know learn to sort of get used to change that will happen constantly when you are in medicine I think every time you sort of hit a major milestone you'll have to go through some changes and the job is demanding itself so I think that makes it harder for you to adapt and change to whatever is happening in in your personal life so I think just being more open because sometimes it's just easier to not adapt in your personal life and you know that can take its own toll so just you know make sure you're leaving that space for yourself so you're changing and adapting as much as you can um, every time you hit a major milestone and the second advice would be to just make sure that you cherish the time with the people that you have you know so in residency in you know people in health care you know people that you spend time with you know when you're at work obviously your family members your loved ones because I think you know if you are enjoying those relationships more and more you'll find that that's what makes a relationship work that's great advice thank you so much for doing this today yeah this is a lot of fun (laughs) thanks for joining me and take care everyone yeah I'm looking forward to coming back as part two car salesman All right. Well, that was the episode. I hope you guys enjoyed listening to the episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. 
And, you know, if you guys have other ideas for podcast episodes or something that you would like me to talk about on an upcoming episode, feel free to send me a message on my Instagram account at dr.avivarma. Feel free to follow me as well. And be sure to follow along on our podcast Instagram account at browngirlwhitecoatpod. We'd love to hear from you guys and we'd love for you to drop a review as well. Again, I hope you all had a very Merry Christmas and happy holidays and thank you for making this podcast a part of your day wherever you are.